so prawn cocktail flavor crisps <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice uh, so there's this thing they're doing at work which is a like a crisp world cup you know with you vote for different flavoured crisps and it all goes through. Like, like prawn cocktail came up. And I thought, that's, that's really weird, isn't it? Prawn, prawn cocktail isn't a flavour, it's a dish. It's well, a recipe. It's like calling bacon yeah. flavoured crisps bacon sandwich flavoured crisps. No, but it has a, it does have a distinctive flavour with the, with the rosemary sauce and the prawns together. It's not just one or the other. Yeah, but really, let's be honest, if it was really proper prawn cocktail flavoured crisps, it should taste of, like, wilted lettuce and disappointment. <laughs> you're not a fan of the prawn cocktail, then? No. Well, you're no, no. You're no child of the 70s, are you? <laughs> I'm very much, and that's exactly why I'm not a fan. Let's Let's move on. Welcome everybody to episode 136 of the Mid-Faith Crisis. <laughs> now, I was good there and Joe was making very rude gestures at me through the Zoom. Yeah, so but that's very bad. Well, would you like to explain to the listeners why we can't use the first version? No, because you swore all over it and that did. didn't attempt to make me laugh. I don't think that was the case. <laughs> anyway, it's very childish behaviour. Anyway, childish. episode 136 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. That is Joe Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> this is so unprofessional. We're professional podcasters now. We're, look, don't oh, make that gesture. We are professional podcasters and we should behave in this way. The world looks up to us. We are, yeah. we are, we are mentors. I pity that world, is all I can yeah. say. Yeah, indeed. Well, they've got nobody. Well, look at who else are the role models. I mean, yeah, exactly. frankly, it's, it's a low bar. But anyway. Anyway, how are you? I'm all right. Thanks. Apart from puerile. <laughs> oh, apart from puerile. Dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all right, actually. Yeah, I'm, you know, getting out and walking lots. It's so lovely. It's a lovely day it today. It is lovely, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. all good. Are you going to go down to the beach later? And I'm going, of... I should be going down for the third time today because I've got no work today. So, yeah. Um, oh, OK. Yeah, that's how you know, it works. It, Inflict us with more sunset. Photos. Exactly. Oh, sorry, send us more sunset photos. Cool. I've also <laughs> had time to be reading a new book, which is very, very funny. The listeners may be interested in by a certain Nick Page. Oh, good. Now, listen, I was thinking mm. about this. We need to do that uh, podcast about the book soon because people need to read it before Christmas, not at Christmas. And the reason they need to read it before Christmas mm. because they need to be armed with all this brilliant truthful material about the real nature of christmas so that when all these you know crazy things come up on facebook with all mm. with all the crazies saying this is what's really happened and this is how christmas came about they can go aha yes that is not the truth i have the facts yes. in front of me and i can point you to the documents yeah because as we know arguing on facebook always works <laughs> always <laughs> <laughs> and Oh, so speaking of mm. Facebook, so this is important. Speaking of Facebook, you may remember I said we started this kind of soul place group going. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm thinking we're going to do a little series called Faith Questions, which is a double okay. entendre in itself because faith questions, but also faith questions. Do you see? 
That's subtle. Yes. Yeah, not everyone. Yeah. Not, not Very everyone. subtle. <laughs> anyway, so uh, a little Facebook Live thing on a Sunday morning when you've just woken up. Grab a coffee, 10 o'clock in the morning, come round. Lovely. To the to the Soul Place group. and uh, oh, Sounds great. Sounds like, your, your, sounds like the cult is growing. And... That's the plan. That's the vision. Mm. World domination, as you know. Mm, <laughs> anyway, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Is it me or does lockdown two seem slightly less lockdowny? It's very much less lockdowny. And there there's are... a lot of people out and about. There's and people there's everywhere. Stuff. There's cars on the roads everywhere. Yeah. Traffic jams. Yeah, I know. Mind you, I think it depends where you are. My, I had to go to Heathrow on Monday and pick up my daughter who has to come back from Germany early because um, oh. British Airways helpfully cancelling flights from oh, now on. Is that, so. what she, is that what she told you? Not because she, <laughs> not because she'd been deported, disgraced herself. She, she said she said it was like the zombie apocalypse at Hamburg Airport. There was just I mean, nobody around. She got to the gate and there was literally nobody there. Oh gosh. But anyway, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, um, welcome back, Martha. Anyway, um, I, uh, what else has happened? Oh, Remembrance Sunday. It was oh, Remembrance yeah. Sunday. Yes, it right, was. And indeed, we had it, yeah. and it was online. Mm. And I honestly think it was the best remembrance service. I've ever been to. It was just beautiful. Okay. This is the one you did? Yeah, Yeah, I didn't do it, but Mark Vicker put it together. Mm. And, and it was just lovely. And I, I think what it is, is I, as an Anglican, you tend to find that Remembrance Day is a little bit taken over by mm. patriotism and a stuff. whole lot of other yeah, stuff. Sure. Yeah, That makes you a bit uncomfortable. In fact, it, some years I've just gone to the Quakers instead. Well, okay. Because I thought, I just don't want any of this stuff. Mm. But, of course, there was nothing of that this year because it was an empty church. And somehow the vicar speaking in an empty church and the role of honour being mm. read out in an empty church was really moving. Mm. Um, you know, it, and you just... When that uh, they read out the sort of role of the fallen in mm. in Ensham and uh, World War One, and it just goes on for ages. And Ensham really? was a small village yeah, and yeah. it makes you aware yeah. of just... What devastation that caused and how many people were lost. So I found it very moving. Mm. Yeah. It's oh, great. Good. And um, cycling. I know you're interested in the cycling. Oh, thank you. Please update us. Well, the cycling has finished. Oh, what a shame. Now. What a shame. Oh, the rugby's back. The rugby's back. Hooray. Ah, good. Yeah. Well, rugby. Do you not watch? What, do you watch rugby? No, I do watch a bit of rugby. Yeah, I do. I do. What are you just still stuck watching Wimbledon and... Yeah, well, that, that's the depressing bit. Yeah, fortunately, I, mean, I fortunately I can't watch Wimbledon at the moment. <laughs> well, even when you could watch them, they were hard to watch. Hey, let's let, be honest, they were. But to be fair, they're they're gloriously halfway up the table at the moment. So that's not marvellous. Oh, no, well, well done, it's good you. going for us. Yeah. Mm, yes, good. Anyway, that's that's enough of that. Uh, we've got an interview this week. We have. So actual content from somebody who knows what they're talking about. We actually do, which is always a refreshing change. And uh, so we ought to get on with that. But have we got any follow-up uh, yes. feedback before? Yeah. Well, let's just read a couple out if we can. Firstly, from Ian, who says, Dear Joe and Nick, thanks as always for your podcast, blah, blah, blah. Over the years, I've read many books on theology. I apologise already. That's a heavy well, start. It's to... not your fault, is no, it? No, but he it's made his, Surely he made his own decisions. Yeah, you weren't true. forcing him to read them. Well, 
actually. No, that's true. <laughs> okay. Okay. Many, he says, many of which were an aid to sleep as much as an aid to increasing my understanding. And I've slowly come to the conclusion that unless I give up work and study full time, I'm not going to get the knowledge that I thought I needed. In fact, I've come to the conclusion that there's a lot of knowledge that whilst it's quite nice to know and discuss is quite irrelevant. I've certainly sat in far too many sermons discussing points of scripture where I've asked myself, so what? I think for me, the most important part of the Bible is Jesus' instruction to love God and love your neighbour. Everything else, whilst interesting, can follow on from that. He said, I've just read Red Letter Revolution by Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne, and their idea of Red Letter Christianity really strikes a chord with me. I appreciate that there's a lot of wisdom in the Old Testament, but on a practical day-to-day basis, the words of Jesus give a much clearer direction as to how to live. Are we getting too concerned with the theoretical, the theology and the stuff we can only guess at when we should be going back to basics and giving more time to the words of Jesus and his instructions? As a side note, I'm halfway through Nick's new Christmas book and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. A real bonus is that it solved my Christmas present problem for at least two friends who I know will appreciate it. Many thanks and keep (laughs) up the good work. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to say last week Ian I think we do overcomplicate things I mean I I think it's really interesting sometimes to have a place to discuss things because you've got to you've got to sometimes work out these things that you're thinking about God sort of through your system but I completely agree with the idea listen if all of this boils back to love God and love your neighbor as yourself completely agree and didn't Jesus come up with that pearl anyway um Yes, I think I think you you might have copyrighted it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I I also completely agree with the idea that my book is the ideal Christmas present. Yes, we and should so focus on I that a little bit more. Let's focus we? on Red Letter Nick, shall we? <laughs> a and, little bit more here. And remind us what the book is called, Nick. The book is called Christmas Tradition, Truth, and Total Baubles. And we are loving the baubles very much. The baubles from I've got I've, I'm started work on the next one, and I've got to think of an equally good innuendo about church. <laughs> I have a I have a suspicion the word organs might be in there somewhere, <laughs> but I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, excellent. But um, no, you're right, and I, I, you know we did try and cover some of that last week, Ian, when we were talking about you know let's. This is a really interesting conversation. Actually, it does make a difference to how you view the divine, I think, whether you see God as outside creation creating it or whether you see God as being part of creation or whether you see God creating but still being inside and connected. I mean, those things have their place. But you are absolutely right. If we still, you know, end up being total... Uh, (laughs) As they're known in theology. As as a theological term. Then, yeah, the the whole... the whole point is all rather pointless. Yeah, I can agree. It is, really. Okay, we've got a lovely email from Phil here who says, uh, Hi, Joe and Nick. He says, Many thanks, as always, for the continued hope and stupidity of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. That's quite a good tagline, isn't it? It is. Hope and stupidity should be our, our, our mission statement. It should be. He says, I was particularly struck in a recent episode by the thought of God withdrawing or limiting, not his presence, but his power. And this being necessary is a true expression of love. Doubtless there be all sorts of difficulties and complications on thinking through all the implications and ramifications of this. But the essence of the idea 
idea certainly rings true for me. After all, this is the heart of the incarnation. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He says it also perhaps provides a way of thinking about prayer. And I thought this was really interesting that through prayer, God is at liberty to intervene, to lessen the limiting of his mm. power, because we have voluntarily invited him to do so mm. in the in the word. Yeah, that is really interesting. He says in the words of St. Ing, I love that St. <laughs> Ing of Wall's End, if you love someone, set them free. Yeah, well done, Phil. We love something. He says, oh, and I love your mum's rendition of a dad's uplifting song. Thank you for sharing it with us. Take care and be kind to yourself. That was lovely. That was a yeah, lovely that, is, that is a well, really interesting idea about prayer in there, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Thank you, Phil, for that. I mean, I, you know, last mm. week's was a bit rambly because I, I wanted to talk about it, but I wish I'd got Phil to do it now because he summed it up a lot better, really, in those two really lines. Yeah, he you did. Know, <laughs> Uh, God withdrawing, limiting not his presence, but his power. I think that's exactly, exactly true. So, uh, yeah, yeah, really, really good. And there's a lot, there is a lot to think of. And it does have a lot of ramifications. But equally, thinking the other way has a lot of ramifications. You know, if we think that God hasn't mm. limited his power, that he is in complete control and he is managing every moment. Yeah. And, well, that has enormous implications yeah. that I think are also very, very difficult. So, you know. Yeah. Thanks, Phil. Exactly. Uh, really appreciate it. Yes, we do. Well, that was probably enough because we've got an interview to listen to, haven't we? Yes, we have got an interview, so set the set the scene for us. Who's who who are we talking to? Okay, we're talking to the Reverend Ruth Newton. Um I was put onto her by another podcast listener called Carol Ann. Thank you so much for that. Ruth mm. is passionate about the environment, passionate about seeing theological and ecological issues and how those two fuse together and what's important. So um yeah, got the chance to speak to her and I think it's pretty interesting. Well, I'm delighted to say that I am here with the Reverend Ruth Newton. Um, who I've never met before in my life. Uh, but actually, one of our listeners, Carol Ann, wrote in and said, you have to talk to, and I quote, our gorgeous vicar. Because um, you were speaking right into a topic that's really dear to our hearts on this podcast, about the environment and just how we tackle this immensely overwhelming kind of subject. Uh, so I'm just going to tell the listeners everything I know about Ruth Newton. And I quote. Both is Ruth is parish priest of St John's Sharrow, a silver eco church whose award-winning churchyard has been awarded country wildlife status. She is a member of the Church of England General Synod. Ordained for 17 years, Ruth has ministered in three multi-parish benefices as a cathedral canon and as a lay training officer. Ruth has a master's in theology, a PGCE, and is an associate fellowship for the Higher Educational education academy she's undertaking a doctorate a doctorate for goodness sake in the intersection between environmental activism and church pres presently working on a portfolio basis she's available freelance writing lectures or retreats thank you well, whoa <laughs> whoa ruth newton should i call you dr ruth newton not, not yet. yet no not yet. yet no wait <laughs> is there anything you wish to add to that um, I was going to tell you that I was married to Andrew and that I have two adult daughters and two dogs. <laughs> you <laughs> saved the best till last. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, welcome and thank you for taking time out of what is undoubtedly a busy schedule for you. Um, I'm so grateful you're here. Um, I was going to say thank you for telling us a bit about yourself. When did you start to get interested in the environment and see that as, as something that you needed to address? Um, it was the General Synod 
that, that, that really um, encouraged me. We hear from an archbishop from another part of the world um, every time we go to Synod. Mm. And more than one of these archbishops was telling us the tough time that they were having as a result of climate change. Mm. And so I started to think of it in terms of the body of Christ and where one part of the body of Christ is suffering, um, all, all the body suffers and that they can't be in their province suffering from climate change and have me sitting here, albeit surrounded by floods in North Yorkshire at the moment, mm. but, but not particularly affected, but doing nothing about it. So, so that was the first thing that really started mm. to get me thinking. And the second thing was that I kind of accidentally found myself in St. John Sherrill, um, which had a really strong ecological mission already. So they had this idea that they were an ark for vulnerable species. So they were preserving um, the biodiversity in the area, um, in, in their churchyard. Mm. Um, but they were struggling really to make links between that and their faith. They knew in their hearts that it was what God wanted them to do, but they couldn't quite kind of see how it meshed. So they educated me about biodiversity. I know so much now. And I educated them about, about the theology, but I had to work really hard to catch up on that. Right. Um, we educated each other. Okay, so in terms of theology, uh, we, mm. our, our last podcast, actually, we were talking about ex nihilo and, you know, whether mm. God created out of nothing or whether God created actually out of God's self. So in a sense, everything we see around us is an mm. incarnation of the divine. Now, whether that's right or wrong, we can park that thought yeah. if you want, but I'd love to know kind of what have been the sort of theological building blocks. Because in some traditions, you know, our theology is quite straight forward you know it's all about conversion and being saved so that when we die we're going to go to heaven and that i think that has been a big emphasis certainly of evangelism of the last 100 years or so so what would you see as being different to that now or or how what would be your foundation for building on theologically um it's the idea of kingdom it's the idea of the kingdom of god um and and this came to me really as I, I was looking through scripture on a week by week basis but what did it say about um ecology and what did it say about social justice and and the motif of the kingdom of god was what came through most strongly for me so that in the kingdom of god we have this vision of a peaceful world where animals don't even eat each other um where there, there is um harmony between people and between people and animals, and between animals and animals. Um, and this kingdom is something that we have to work for now. It's coming in the future, but mm -hmm. we are living as if it's here already. Um, and, and that was really, and that's really the theological basis on which I do my work. Um, but I do want people to, to convert. Um, I'm not that comfortable with the idea of uh, the word conversion. It sounds sure. very much like you've, you've got their arm up their back. But, but, um, but I, do, I want people to have faith in Jesus because it's the pearl of great price. And why could you have that and not share it? Um, and so, so it's not because I'm worried about whether they're going to go to heaven um, when, when, when they die. It's because I want them to know Jesus now. It's because I want them to work with me or with Jesus or with the Holy Spirit or, mm, or yeah. you know, for, for the kingdom, tackling justice and poverty and war. Um, mm. But also, if you are of the persuasion where 
what matters is converting people. Well, you've got to address the questions that they're asking. And they're asking questions about the environment. So you've got to have your ducks in a row. Yeah. You need to know what Christianity says about this. And you kind of got a wonderful opportunity, really, to be ahead of the game ethically. So we're kind of behind the game on so Yes, yes. But we here we've got this chance to be ahead of the game. Um, and so, you know, if you are an evangelical, and I'm almost an evangelical probably, um, but, but it, it, it's a, a brilliant tool to, to, to encourage people into a life of faith. Um, although that isn't why I engage in it. I engage in it in, for its own reasons. Yeah, but, sure. But, but it's kind of like, I think, it, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything will be added to you. So if we're doing the right thing, which is attending to the ecological crisis, then the converts will come. Whereas if we're focusing on converting people and yeah. ignoring the big issues of the day, yeah. then yeah. we haven't got anything to say to anybody, I don't think. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. And I'm sure that is right. I'm sure if we're living as Jesus intended us to live, that that is actually quite a winsome, attractive lifestyle. It's not that we've got to be preaching and telling people to believe the right stuff. It's just they hopefully look at us and go, actually, I'll have some of that. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be working. <laughs> that seems to be good for them and the world. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay, so... So you're saying a theology of the kingdom. I don't know whether you want to say any more about like how you have helped Christians think and connect their faith to earth. Is there any more you want to want to say about that, or, or shall we move on? Well, I, I write weekly um, on mm. on the lectionary. So in the, in the mm. Church of England and other churches. Um, mm. We we go through a lectionary. So they give us the readings um, yeah. and we preach on them. Now, most of the work on the environment has been kind of stuck in certain cherry-picked texts that you have either chosen because you agree with environmental mission or you don't. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to go through the whole Bible to see if it, if it says, says relevant, or just to see what it says. Mm. Um, and, and I haven't had a week where I haven't been able to do it because the Bible said nothing about it. I have had a week where I haven't written my blog because I'm too busy. <laughs> I have quite a few of those weeks. Um, but, but the Bible has always had something, um, something to say um, that seems relevant to an agenda of social and ecological justice. And so I think I'm sort of fishing out the, the texts that aren't maybe those cherry-picked ones. Right, okay. That aren't getting a lot of attention. And you're legitimately seeing a pattern there that says actually God's heart is is for the whole of creation. Are you? you know, you don't just think you're reading your agenda into it. No, because I'm really, really careful. Oh. So, so sometimes I have to say, actually, it would appear that if you have this perspective on ecology, this text mm. doesn't back it up. Mm. So, so sometimes I have to say, you know. Mm. Um, this the the one about the pigs for example mm. where mm. where jesus puts the demons in the pigs mm. yeah. <laughs> you have a person who believes that 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 god yeah. um has god has an animal rights agenda at the very heart of his being that is yeah. a shocking reading for yeah. me yeah. 
but, but you can't say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You have to say, well, what's God doing about the, what, what, why is this, why is this happening? Why? Um, and, and, and so I try really hard not to read my own agenda in it. Um, I don't think it's possible to do it only on an ecological agenda. Um, I think it has to be a, an agenda of the kingdom, which is ecological and social justice. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that they can be separated. Um, and I certainly wouldn't, if I, if I took the Bible and wrote about green, you know, ecological, animal rights, um, nature mm. sort of things every week, I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm. Well, that's, that's interesting that you're, you very much link justice uh, with the environment yeah they're very interesting indeed uh, moving on push, pushing this conversation forward a bit and um, I, I hope we're not going too quick i mean we are going too quickly but you, you know we, we have a we have a short podcast frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well no the presenters have a very short attention span that's the honest <laughs> truth <laughs> so <laughs> so you know if you're starting with people who are perhaps not used to connecting their face to how we think about the planet and the environmental crisis we see around us. What is your message? What do you want us to do as followers of Jesus? You know, what are the, let's drill down into some of the practicalities of what this could mean for us on a day by day basis. Well, there it's, there's something about being Christian and being distinctive. Hmm. So I could trot out all of the, the answers that the secular world is saying, which, you know, is um, don't, um, don't eat so much meat, fly less, um, and um, try to cut down on your carbon usage and less plastic. And, and all of that, I think, is really, really important because um, if we have a profligate, wasteful attitude, it doesn't just damage the world, it damages us. Um, it's spiritually debilitating um, so so that that aspect is important but the Christian specialty I think is being prophetic so it's for for the disciple it's to say, it's to say this is not happening in my name and it's not happening in God's name and I'm going to resist it mm. so so that means that you might be doing that to live in a completely green lifestyle mm. um, Although it's really hard and, and you happen to live your green lifestyle before you start advocating because you'll never get there. Don't think you have to be absolutely perfectly green mm. before you can write to the MP mm. or whatever. Um, mm. So it might be that you're living a, a green lifestyle, which is an example, but it might be through advocating. It might be through Christian climate action. It, 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 it should be, please, through lobbying governments. Um, that is the most effective thing, in my opinion. Um, and putting pressure on big businesses by thinking about, you know, what you're buying. Um, and and um, but, but understanding it, not in terms of being green, but being prophetic. Because okay. that is distinctively Christian and that's our distinctive contribution, I think. Okay. And and say more about you know government and and lobbying. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I think we need we need to be writing to MPs and saying this matters. You think that makes a difference? Yeah, um, it doesn't make enough of a difference because not enough people are doing it. Um, okay, it's, it's quite difficult for 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 our system of government to effect change because 
because the fact that we have five-yearly elections or you know short-term mm. elections means that everything is short-termist mm. so, so yeah. people, people don't look the, the, for the government to say actually this is what's required and it needs a 20-year plan and I'm putting it into place now and it might hurt now but it's going to be you know going to make it better 20 years down the line is incredibly difficult for an MP so so they need to know that people aren't going to turn against them if they do that but also asking for a citizens assembly which has started to happen um, resolves this short-termism because the, the citizens assembly isn't looking to get re-elected um, and so it can actually say we're looking further into the future and this is what needs to happen and this is what we can tolerate. Now I, I have to admit that from a personal perspective um, I also go out onto the streets and, and um, mm. protest. Um, yeah. So I was, out, I was out at the weekend looking like the Grim Reaper, um, <laughs> predi pre 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 predicting uh, an apocalypse on, uh, because of HS2. Um, so I do, I, I, I do actually do that physical protesting. It was quite funny actually, I, I really wanted to borrow my scythe because we, <laughs> we have a physical scythe um, at, at, um, at church, our churchyard. But I did think it would be considered an offensive weapon. weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was a scytheless Grim Reaper. Um, but, and, and I think that within the Christian tradition, there is definitely a history of nonviolent non -violent resistance. Yes. Down, down to Jesus himself. Yes, um, you know, I understand. I, when I looked at Palm Sunday, all of a sudden, I saw Palm Sunday in terms of nonviolent resistance, and it was not a bit of wonder that they put him to death after that. Um, mm. It was it was an absolute triumph of of nonviolent um, resistance and and the kind of theatre that that threatens political status quo and vested interests. So so, but that's not for everybody, and I can't say that. You know, you, we mm. all need to go out onto the streets, but but lobbying is something that everybody mm. can do and that people wouldn't really have much misgivings about, I don't think. No, exactly. And I think some people see, you know, in the Christian community, see Extinction Rebellion as absolute heroes and jump on that and get And, and some people just feel very, really uncomfortable with some of the methodology that they use. So it's, it's interesting. I'm glad that you say, well, look, here's something you can do. So do it. Uh, that's the message, isn't it? Do it. Just do something. Yeah. Um, and lobbying perhaps is the right is would you say that's the starting point for us i think so i think you you can be an example um so you're not going to save the world by reducing your own carbon footprint but by adopting behaviors you will act as a catalyst for others um you will be giving permission to both business and um and politicians it's like a giving of consent. So every time you make a green decision, it's mm. a giving of consent to the people who make the big decisions to say, this is the side I'm on. And I'm prepared mm. to actually put myself out for mm. this. You know, I'm mm. prepared not to be wholly self-interested mm. um, because this is important. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Well, look, um, is there anything else you want to say? So, you know, you, you've got a captive audience up to maybe 17 or 18 people listen to this so is there anything else you want to say to, to, to our listeners I, yeah I, I appreciate that for some people 
the idea of, of um, ecological mission to the earth is a problem. And that the idea that, that, that God might be present in nature is a, is a problem. So some of the theology that's going on around this, is, it's very creative. Um, and and we don't know whether it's right or wrong because it hasn't been around long enough. We haven't <laughs> enough time to test it. But love your neighbour, you know, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God, are mm. central to the heart of our faith. Yeah. And and this is affecting not just the earth but people mm. now. Mm. So there is no way that yeah. you can wash their hands of this. No yeah. way at all um and i think that's really what what i want what i'd like to say to you thank you so much now listen if people's interest has been piqued and they want to connect with you a do you want that and b <laughs> if you do how would they go about contacting you yeah um my blog site is greeningthelectionary.net um and it is a, an independent blog site but it's also you can also contact it on twitter and on facebook and all of those um, have ways of, of um, contacting me and messaging me. Um, so I basically the things I do are um, co short courses, lectures. I'm not doing retreats in lockdown um, yeah, sure. because, because, because it's um, yeah. and it been, and it would be all on Zoom. But I can also write. Um, so if people want a, a course, yeah. I can prepare them a course, um, yeah. and, and they they can have that. Um, but a lot of the stuff I do is free. So yeah. tonight I'm running a Bible and ecology course, and that's free. Um, and if you want to do that, it's a little bit late now, but you could maybe join <laughs> next week. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Listen, we'll put links up to your stuff on, in the show notes. So for this yeah. thing, and we're going to tell people. Ruth, it's been an absolute delight to be with you. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And of course, you know, God bless you and all you're doing. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, Joe. So that was uh, Ruth Newton and Joe. Yes, uh, indeed. <laughs> you might have recognised Joe. Yes. Anyway, um, that was a great interview. <laughs> really, really interesting approach, and uh, yeah. you know the the way she talks about it. Um, I thought that was really fascinating. Obviously, we'll mm. put a link to her blog in the show notes yeah. attached to this, so that'd be great. Great. Yeah. So, yeah. what really struck you out of talking to Ruth? Well. I mean, it, it struck me there were differences in our sort of, you know, churchmanship and, and, and perhaps our theology. But I loved her emphasis, her starting point being the kingdom. Um, I thought that was really, really interesting. And and her, her views that, you know, it's not about getting to people into heaven after you die, which we've talked about many times on this podcast. But it's about starting where people are. And people are asking questions about the environment. And have we got something to say about that? Or haven't we got something to say about that? So I, I love the way she brought this all into the whole kingdom agenda. I thought that was really good. Yeah, and I, I really liked the the entry point, you know, talking about the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Talking about Christianity as a sort of balanced, sustainable lifestyle as well. We often talk about Christianity as, mm. as a fulfilling life. You know, Jesus said, mm. life in all its fullness. Yeah. But the idea of it also being a balanced and sustainable life, yeah, is I think really important and really interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that was really really helpful. That it's you know about being distinctive as a Christian. Yeah, it was good, and I I like this idea that um, you know you can't just approach the Bible on the ecological agenda. But if you're doing it, if if you're going to talk about 
you know, ecology, you've got to talk about social justice as well. And it mm. seemed to me that was quite important, especially sometimes to appeal to people who perhaps have a theology that, well, the earth doesn't really matter because God's going to just create a new heaven and a new earth. So perhaps it doesn't matter if we burn all the fossil fuels mm. because mm. God's coming. I mean, I, I like the way that, you know, with this kind of outlook, you can say to people, well, hang on a minute this is not just uh, an issue of the environment. This is a, an issue of social justice. There are people suffering in the world now and we know that we are called. You know, we can agree on that, can't we? That we're really called to care for people and help people. So I I, I, I like the balance of it. And she had real integrity, didn't she? And says, look, 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 she thinks, you know, at the heart of God is this sort of, you know, animal rights agenda. But you've got to be true to the fact that, you know, Jesus drove demons into pigs. Yes, so, exactly. you know, that doesn't well, that's work exactly well. exactly it, isn't it? And I, I, like think you, I think you have to look around it a bit <laughs> because you, you can't expect the, you know, writers of, the, of Scripture from sort of first century oh. AD backwards to have the same oh. view of the environment as we have. We talked about this a oh. bit last week. You know, oh. a completely yeah, exactly. different relationship to it oh. and a completely different understanding of it. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, Jesus is part of his time. That's what the incarnation yeah. has, to, has yeah. to be like. But I, I often think that, you know, one of the things that uh, has helped me is kind of thinking about the theological sort of basis for environmental activism. It, we mm. perhaps need to find a different set of verses around it. You know, often yes, you talk about exactly the psalm right. and majesty, yeah, yeah, majesty yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I for me, I wondered about the whole idea of loving your neighbour. This wasn't in the interview, it's something I've been thinking about, right. but the idea of loving yeah. your neighbour and whether we should view our neighbour as people who are not just cl close to us, next to us in space, but who are also next mm. to us in time. Mm. So my neighbour oh, in that so. sense yeah. is people coming after me, you mm. know, both my children and their generation, but also, you know, the, their children's yeah. children. They're, they're also, our neighbours are those who come after us, I think. And therefore... That's a really interesting thought. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, the, the is to to look mm. after the environment is to love our neighbours, mm. the people who are coming after us, and as well as the people in different countries and all that kind of stuff who are here here and now. That's a really interesting thought. I I I used to love go well, I still love going around these gardens that were planted in the sort of, you know, early nineteenth mm. century and sometimes the eighteenth century, and they knew when they were planting them you know, presumably age 30 or 40, they're never going to see yeah, it. And yeah. probably their children aren't going to see how yeah, it looks yeah. when it's really good. But their grandchildren might just get yes. to benefit from the landscaping they've done. And you just don't you just don't see that in our political life, do you? You don't see no, that long-term No, that's exactly right. Kind of, we don't have long-term mm. thinking. We have short-term mm. thinking and, and, mm. and because we keep re-electing governments. Now, the only way, in mm. fact, to get long-term thinking might be to have a king again so that's not necessarily a good switch you know <laughs> yeah, okay. but i think you have to start thinking long term there's that phrase isn't it what's the best time to plant a tree hmm. and well it was actually 30 years ago but the second best time to plant a tree is now <laughs> yeah, you know? so yeah. so i think i i, I don't know I, that idea of my neighbor hmm. with people coming next yeah, i think I like uh, it's quite helpful for me but also i think um i just really liked her activism I liked, yes. um, yeah. I, I like you know, that she describes herself as going out as a scytheless grim reaper. <laughs> yeah. I don't That's know quite a powerful like. metaphor, yeah. Uh, yeah. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, Christian grim reaper. It doesn't do the scything <laughs> bit. <laughs> you can't really have a Christian grim reaper, can you? You can have a Christian rather nice reaper. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> a Christian happy reaper. <laughs> and, and also the idea of that, 
indi- what I found really helpful in the interview was this idea that individual actions really won't make a great deal of difference. But what they do is give consent yes. to what we were talking about, people like the politicians yeah. and yeah. business owners, to change the ways they do things. And that really will make a difference. Yes, exactly. I thought it was exactly. very powerful. It was powerful, wasn't it? Yeah, well, one drop uh, in a bucket doesn't doesn't do much, but if all the drops do their bit, you'll end up with a bucket full. And I think that was, I think it was really helpful. Uh, you know, just in terms of ourselves thinking, you know, we think about our winter wellness plans, but we might move on to think about, you know, our kind of world wellness plans. And actually, yeah, if enough of us do our job and use use our consumer power, which we are using every week anyway. Um, wisely we will make a difference to the bigger things eventually mm. so yeah anyway listen we we probably should finish now because we've been going on for quite long enough thank mm. you so much to ruth we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing that bit of wisdom for us and you've given us lots to think about um we should finish but before we do because it's nice to finish with something positive it's mm. nice i always think to have something really practical for people to go away and do okay so this week We've talked about creation. We've talked about whether God exists outside of creation or is actually a part of and within creation. Mm. So I'd like to encourage everyone to go and order your book, Ready for (laughs) Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. How about that? I think it's a strong finish to this podcast. I think that's very good because I think that one of the challenges of, of truly prophetic lifestyle is not to accumulate so much stuff. Except my books. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which obviously should be purchased in multiple copies. (laughs) No, seriously, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Ruth for uh, doing that. Thank you, Joe, for doing the interview. That was great. Real pleasure. Do let us know what you think. Uh, The email is... joe at midfaithcrisis.org And uh, thank you to all who support the podcast. Thank you to all who contribute. We're really grateful. We are indeed. See you next week.